Welcome to Memphis Treasures, where we tell the stories of Memphis. My guest today is former Shelby County Sheriff and Shelby County Mayor, Bill Morris. So when I made my speech the other day, I said we are forever changed. From 1964 to 1972, Bill served as a Shelby County Sheriff, during which time he was tasked with the custody of one James Earl Ray. The methods used during the transfer of Ray from federal authorities to the Shelby County Sheriff's Department and back again were groundbreaking for their time and are still being used by the Bureau of Prisons to this day. Bill also served four terms as Shelby County Mayor from 1978 to 1994. During our conversation, we talk about the impact civic clubs, such as the JCs and the Optimist Club, had on the young men in the 1950s and 60s. His friendship with another Memphis treasure, Elvis, lasted until his untimely death in 1977 and after with Priscilla, George Klein, and others of the Memphis Mafia. The thing that I remember most, that God, for me, became the motivator and helped me be placed in the right place at the right time sure. to do a whole lot of things in my life. Yeah. And when I was doing my, my reflecting, I saw where he was in every part of my life. And I'm not going to make this as a, a theological statement, but I will tell you, everything I've ever done, I find that my faith played a vital role in the outcome. Absolutely. You said there wasn't a plan earlier. There was a plan. Yeah, there was a plan, but yeah. just what I didn't know. It's yours. I didn't know it. That's exactly <laughs> right. And that is right. Yeah. But I said then, since we don't have the media moguls that have an agenda to help the communities move forward, all we do is report the tragedies of, of the moment. I said we need. We spend a lot of time praying, right. and I'm not. Don't want to sound sound negative. Too bad. But I said, we can sit there and on our knees, but once we get off our knees, we need to get on our feet and do some walking and talking and be a part of an active agenda with some others to make sure we make the changes that we should be making. So my children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, I have a bunch. <laughs> I worry that they do not have the kind of challenges and insight that I had out of necessity because they all are able to achieve easily uh, adequate resources to, to enjoy life where people that grew up like me and most of us were that same way in Mississippi and the South generally. Um, it, it was indelibilized on the benefit of work and ethics. Right. And uh, it stays with you. And, and fortunately for me, I was able to take that into the political world because I was a member of an organization like the JCs. We believed that the faith in God is meaning the purpose of human life. Right. And that the brotherhood of man transcends the sovereignty of nation. That economic justice can best be won by free men through free enterprise. Yeah. That government should be of laws rather than men. So those are the kind of, of, of the theses that good for the heart and good for the soul. If you follow that, you know, yeah, that's pretty good. I was say, that's a great way to start. Talking about Optimist Clubs and things like that, and JCs, you started a bunch of the Optimist Clubs. I read in your book uh, half a dozen or more of the clubs you were a founder. Yeah, member. and you know, that's, it's called self-interest, Yeah, <laughs> being the sheriff. Uh, if you're going to be an effective sheriff at that point, 
I thought you need people to speak your language. Right. And that's why I started several organizations and sheriff's departments, opened law enforcement up to be seen, felt, sensed. Right. And took, I had priests and ministers, volunteers, businessmen, labor leaders right. who came and rode in squad cars on weekends. And I started the reserve organization. Some of the Teamsters Union that had been creating problems and strikes and so forth in the city before I became sheriff, they quit doing that. I had the guys that became deputies, right. part-time volunteer deputies. And that was a, that was a strange phenomenon. <laughs> and uh, we involved the scouting program. The scouts, right. And uh, Well, you, you definitely turned the sheriff's department around. And when you started it, they had some definite problems. Uh, they did. All types of things. And then when you left after three terms in 1970, um, I showed that you, they were in the top ten in the country. That's, that, exactly that's right. That's a huge turnaround. That's yes, not just a little thing. And it was the men who, well, we professionalized the department, number one. Yeah. And we opened it up so that the people had could have confidence what they saw because they could see it and be a part of it, including the first murder situation that I had. I invited uh, the ACLU to put a representative of the squad car and my investigative team to see how we handled that. Are uh, we treating people right mm -hmm. and, uh, and under the law, where we enforcing the law under the law? And, was, and a guy by the name of Hugh Stanton uh, back then uh, became a very good friend over the and spoke, went to the legislature, as a matter of fact. And he used us as an example many times about how that you can have, you can trust what you can see mm -hmm, right. and feel and sense. Well, I, I remember, uh, as again, I was reading your book, some of the things that stood out. Uh, I didn't know that you were in charge and created Safety Town, which mm. I remember <laughs> like it was just. I did. It's been a long time since I went through that program, but uh, I do remember that. That was that was such a great thing. Junior Deputy Program. That Junior Deputy Program. I see people today that walk up to me and show me their badge. I, I wish I had mine. From the sixth grade. Yeah. Oh yeah. I remember seeing it out there and on uh, right there at Southern Mall. Yeah. Drive by and still see it in the parking lot. Uh, uh, yeah. It, we did the one there and we did one in Parkway Village. But the Junior Deputy Program on, was on a Sunday afternoon, mm -hmm. and we had the Supreme Court Justice of Tennessee show up on sit on the platform on the big. Flatbed trailer on the big parking lot, and every school class and stood separately, yeah. together with their teachers. And I've got great photographs of yeah. that, and yeah. just incredible to see. We'll but to me, to me, that was uh, uh, as far as the legacy of teaching kids. And every one of those kids went through a program six months in the sixth grade, yeah. and they got fingerprinted and. I got the junior deputy manual that they read about what was right and wrong, the laws and what have you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was like me uh, when I became national chairman of the Cub Scouts of America. Mm -hmm. uh, I, my committee took the Cub Scout handbook and had it evaluated mm -hmm. about readership. And it was a 12th grade level reading. And one of the things I did then, I had it rewritten. Yeah. So that it, it would fit a 12-year-old, 11-year-old, 10-year-old yeah. people as opposed, because a lot of parents couldn't understand it. Sure. And after that, then we had the promotion thing done to that. But it's it's uh, common sense stuff, yeah. uh, Mark, that makes a difference in the humanity of all of us. All of us, you know, on any given day, not two cents difference. Yes. Any of us. All we want to do 
is enjoy the freedom of, of, of America. Right. We always want to enjoy our family. We'd like to make enough money to have a house and home and car, those kinds of things, and have decent food and not have to worry about whether or not we're going to be able to make it next week on the table yet. I mean, achievement to me is always just about that level. Mm -hmm. And so instead of me spending time trying to make more and more and more money, if you lost all the book, and we just talked about that today, there wasn't an organization in town that I didn't have some type of involvement with right. at one point or the other. I don't know how you made the time. And so, read that book I don't either. But, he must uh, have more hours in the day than I do. Yeah. But you know, I, I spent the year I became Tennessee's Outstanding Young Man of the Year, J.C., I had logged 1,800 hours or something like that in volunteer work. For the, but we had 100 projects going on J.C.'s at that time. Yeah. Everything from bicycle safety, yeah. safety, yeah. all those kinds yeah. of things right. that we did. But, uh, but we don't have that now. Yeah. And uh, the thing that's really sad about this generation here in 2022 the opportunity for kids 20, 25 years of age are very limited on where they might go, how they might get involved, do something beyond the neighborhood, you know, and they're involved in gangs, that type of fellowship. But you got sports, mm -hmm. and thank God for that. Yeah. Uh, sports is a big thing. And uh, volunteers, adults getting involved in junior sports. Because that's uh, that is one of the very few outlets I might add. Yeah, it is. So during your time as sheriff, there was an event that happened in downtown Memphis, which kind of bookended a little bit of the civil rights, and that was the assassination of Martin Luther King. Yes. I know you had a, a large role. You were the first police officer, first official on the site after yeah. that happened. Well, yeah, I was, and I was there, and... and uh, the people who were there was people like Jesse Jackson, uh, was part of the, of the entourage, Dr. King's entourage. And, and I, as a matter of fact, I was only about five minutes away making an arrest at that time. I read that on Riverside and, Drive. And Henry, and Henry Lowe was mayor. Henry Lowe, he, he happened to come by when I had three guys spread eagled on the rail out there. For, they were actually trying to assault me in their car. And uh, so I pulled them over and arrested them and had them at gunpoint, actually, because they were, at that time there was a lot of shooting and a lot of going on and, and uh, people were being fired upon. But his car came by, and by the time he came by, uh, I got the call said this, uh, at the Lorraine Motel, Dr. King's been shot. So I gave him the gun. He said, hold him. I had called a squad car, you hold him. He said, oh my God, with that I'm off going to Lorraine Motel. And um, and he was off actually going to Oxford to, to make a speech at, uh, down in Oxford, Mississippi. But uh, that, that was the beginning. But uh, uh, we were able to make the scene. And I was there when I went to the place where the gun had been dropped, the suitcase and all of that. And I have a photograph of that, of me standing there with that. But all uh, heck was breaking loose. And But the one good thing where we in Memphis had the advantage was that we had had strife already at, in, on the labor thing, the strikes and what have you. It contained the violence, the state of Tennessee and uh, TBI and all the law enforcement agencies were in town. Yeah. And we had what we call a TAC unit, three units 
with the combination of Tennessee Highway Patrol, Memphis Police Department, Sheriff's Department, we, we had a combination. And that was another good thing because it gave us a constitutional perspective of doing what's right as opposed to this. Some cities had police agencies that were accused of being uh, violent and uh, abusive. Right. But anyway, so when this all happens, I actually was able to recruit 75 Arkansas Highway Patrolmen, uh, and I thought they had the biggest, toughest looking guys I'd ever seen. <laughs> Met them on the bridge, deputized them, right. and so we we bought, got things under control extremely well before sunup. Right. And yeah. we called a curfew, and we locked it down like you yeah. can't believe you yeah. couldn't pour water. Yeah. And that's uh, that's that's the best way to stop violence is to. You take it in, take it under control. Yeah. And we've had a few arrested, but it uh, wasn't as significant as, as yes. uh, like I talked to sheriffs all over the country. Joe Wood, who was a sheriff in Chicago, Cook County, called me on the phone. He said, man, uh, do, I, do I need to be in Memphis? And I said, no, we've got it under control. Do we need to come to Chicago? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were definitely riots all over. Um, and then I guess we all know that James Earl Ray escaped and made it somehow yeah. to London. Uh, and then you were instrumental in bringing him back and taking care. I read again through the book all of the precautions and everything that was taken for that, which was just well, it was so important. Uh, I was involved directly on. I was in I, Peter, Sir Peter Pitches in Los Angeles. I was brought to Los Angeles to look at his security uh, when Sirhan was arrested you know, for killing Robert Kennedy, mm -hmm. and then I, uh, Bill Decker was a sheriff in Dallas County, and his, his office was less than 200 yards from where Kennedy was killed. And so I spent some time there. So the, the Justice Department then arranged for me to be an observer in Los Angeles, and then from there to make decisions how, how we were going to work with the, right. the National Jail people, Bureau of Prisons and the FBI. Uh, when we get, did get the guy, that we was going to be charged James already, that we would handle it right. Mm -hmm. I did not want what happened to in Dallas to happen in Memphis. That was a that was a terrible, terrible oversight, immature yeah, uh, thing to happen when when you, when you, when a policeman's holding it, the, the guy and walking through a crowd of people from everywhere just all over the place. It, it, you could almost bet somebody's going to take a shot at it. Yeah. Nobody ever had that. They couldn't even camera a guy. I was guy. Gonna say, they couldn't when, even take when, a photo. They couldn't even take a photo. As right. long as he was in my custody, yeah. there were no photographs except for one I, I, I made happen. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I know that they, the Federal Bureau of Prisons took over the things that you did. They incorporated those in, in the they way did. they do. They did, and you know, I had... Uh, there was a, an award in uh, Scotland Yard. There was a plaque in Scotland Yard because we worked with them in, in London mm -hmm. as well as Justice Department. But the, the, I think what we proved there, uh, one monkey does not make a show. We utilize every resource sure. available to us in a workable way to make sure that we were successful. Mm -hmm. And then we had a constitutional uh, situation to protect and make sure that when there was no course for recourse right. after the after the trial and what have you, and uh, I was very proud of that because 
It's not not what I knew, but what all of us knew collectively. Right. So I have upstairs, right now, every step that we took, and the reasons why we took it. Well, I want to I want to read a quote that uh, Gerald Frank said in his 1972 book, *An American Death: The Story of MLK Assassination*. He says of you, the kind of a man who would walk alone down the center of the street at high noon. I think that's pretty uh, telling. He didn't say which direction I was going, did he? <laughs> <laughs> he did not, but uh, I think that that sums up that entire uh, situation and event in my mind. Just the yeah. uh, amazing way that that was taken care of. And again, like Joe said, Frank was an interesting guy. Yeah. Matter of fact, he was a fabulous author. He wrote mm-hmm. uh, Judy and I'll Cry Tomorrow and Boston Strikeman and all. So he spent some time at my home from New York, and he wrote a book called American Death. I don't know if you've read that or not, but it's an interesting work. But he's wrong about his uh, analysis. And so before he died, I got a call from him, and I met him in uh, Philadelphia for National Convention, uh, Attorney Jones Convention, and he said, I want you to give me a chance to correct my assumptions. And the assumptions where I said he was wrong he said there was no conspiracy right. uh, between uh, and the assassination of King. Mm-hmm. Well, there is no such thing as no conspiracy. They, uh, there was other people involved. Yeah, more collusion. Than- collusion is a better word if you don't have the exact evidence. Right. But he agreed on the collusion concept. And then I gave him some parameters on how this collusion came about. And it started out with the Minutemen and Dallas and so on and so forth. The same people who uh, uh, wanted to suppress the liberal movement in this country, but ready to kill people who were the advocates on the national figures of doing that. It wasn't just me. And I will also tell you that people in my fraternity of law enforcement knew who it was responsible for the Birmingham bombing long before the FBI ever moved on that. And uh, uh, William Bradford Huey, who was the writer, and, and Arthur Haynes Sr. and Jr., and those people that were connected to uh, 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 the case, everybody knew that uh, there were organizations very much uh, alive and well that would kill people. The movie came out, I'll just mention that was in passing. Uh, it's called, it came out with Burt Lancaster. It's called Executive Action. It, it was on the market just for a short period of time and withdrawn from the, the world of entertainment because it, uh, it portrayed the events that led up to the death of 33 people who were in active duty in Dallas and one formal role or the other in, in the area of security uh, at the time, and it had to do also with uh, the triangular shooting right. that created the death of uh, John Kennedy right. and the shooting of Connolly. But uh, those, so in the book, I'm saying this, and I said it very openly, uh, that, that we should have the same type of research and looking back on those cases, and particularly, John, uh, not Kennedy, but Martin Luther King, 
should have the same type of research funded by the private corporations, Microsoft and others, so that we could have no political tomfoolery in this and this whole deal about who killed what led up to this? Who were the who were the people in, involved in the collusion? And when Jagger Hoover ceased looking the minute he got a conviction of James L. Ray, that, that was the most humfoolish thing I had ever heard of. And now it's it's that proves that, you know, it should have been done then. It should have never been concluded until it was concluded. Well another famous person that you spent a lot of time with. I know listeners out there want to know some stories about Elvis. And that, uh, again, reading through the book, you guys were quite close. Well, you know, the interesting thing about Elvis, while well, we hit it off so well, he and his family and my family lived next door to each other in rural North Mississippi between Fulton, Itawama County, and where I was born, and Tupelo, in that area. I mean, they used to call him the Red Clay Hills of North Mississippi. I mean, it, I mean it's, the land was so poor you couldn't grow peas, as they used to say. But, you know, they had, Elvis's dad had gone to prison, got out of prison, came back to Tupelo, moved around different places in Tupelo. Well, they, they don't talk about but one place, but recently I went to the school where Elvis was in the seventh grade, and I spoke in Tupelo last year to several hundred people who came to see where he went to school. And we talked about uh, Elvis at the same time where I was doing the same thing in Itawama County, four, few miles away. But we, we we were there on the same circumstance. He comes to Memphis in 48, you know, and my family had moved to Memphis in 48 to get jobs and whatever. Except I stayed in Mississippi right. to go to school. Weird. You did, you stayed there. I That's stayed right. there. And I went to work for the newspaper there. And I was I was mentored by a wonderful family, the Harden family there, and, and uh, stayed there two years, finished junior college, and got on the bus and headed to Memphis. Right. And uh, that the history after that was was one of of wanting to be uh, accountable, and uh, it's been it's been the greatest life. Now I'm 90 years of age, and I have to tell you. Uh, there's not has not been one step of my life that hasn't been exciting for me because every step has been better than the last step. Well, I know that uh, you, like you said, you spent some time with Elvis, and, mm-hmm. and uh, I think he was a big part of of what you had went through. I guess you were uh, were you mayor at that time, or was that before? I guess that would have been before you were mayor. I've been him a deputy. Yeah. In 1965. Right. Yeah. yeah, you were still sheriff. So we go back. Yeah. Matter of fact, I was at his graduation from high school because my wife was in his class right. at 1953. And I went to his graduation, and it was uh, never worth really sitting up to the law. Uh, I worked at a grocery store in North Memphis where he, his girlfriend lived, and my wife lived, and yeah. we knew everybody. Mm-hmm. But uh, I went to that graduation, and then didn't hook up with Elvis until shortly after I got married and headed off to, uh, the, to the Army. Right. Uncle Sam said, we need you. So I went. Well, <laughs> <You went. laughs> <laughs> I, I primarily went. I was being honest, being uh, the right thing to do. And my wife was pregnant and I didn't have any money. Sure. And I was going to the hospital, going to the Army and, and not have any 
insurance, and that's, and that's where my first son was born in Columbia, South Carolina, Fort yeah. Jackson. But Elvis uh, and I hit it off so well. We spent a lot of time together when he was in town and back and forth. And yeah. and uh, actually, and uh, it was in uh, before that uh, he moved into Graceland, mm -hmm. and I was working at SC Two for Company, and I actually handled the printing of a special Christmas card his first year at Graceland. Right. And I have, still have one of those. It's pretty neat. <laughs> and it was, uh, That's uh, very cool. So uh, always uh, interesting. Happy Merry Christmas from Elvis and the Colonel. Uh -huh. So just give you that, give you that ledge the Colonel had on, sure. on Elvis. Everything had to be from Elvis and the Colonel. Uh -huh. So uh, we had a lot of things. I traveled with Elvis a lot, spent a lot of time with him. I have the only photograph that, that exists with Elvis singing with anybody else. And it, it exists. I have that here and I sing in Las Vegas. Right. Yeah, how great uh, they are. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, I, and obviously his death was a tragedy for everyone. Yes. Uh, but you were, you were close to him. And uh, I know the, the funeral and some of the services at Graceland mm -hmm. were, were quite moving, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a greeter at the door, seeing people come and, you know, during those two days before the funeral. And yeah. it was a sad time for me because of the good times we had there. Yeah. A lot of times late at night, having sure. having dinner at 12 o'clock at night <laughs> and going to the movies and what have you. Right. But he was, to me, Elvis Presley was, was and is one of the, the greatest people I've ever known for all the reasons, right reasons. He came from such an incredible, humble environment to have such a strong and abiding personal faith and uh, we talked about it a lot as we traveled. Uh, I, I would sit with him into movies, and I would sit with him on a plane, which we travel around, and and and, and everything came up. And uh, he was he 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 was a great patriot. I might also add. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Omar, uh, General Bradley lived next door to him in in California, and uh, he loved visiting, walking over, and having a visit with General Bradley. Yeah. Wow. That's, uh, that's, that's a long way from being a corporal or, yeah, a <laughs> in bit, the army. A little bit. Uh, another thing that I read in your book, which just made me smile, uh, is I didn't know that you were responsible for the. Do you know where your children are? I did. At Ten yeah. o'clock at night. You'd hear that. That always. They still say that today. In they do. They well, they quit for a long time. They did. That's fact. And uh, but it was the right thing it to is. think about it. Yeah. But the difference was then and now. Mm -hmm. If we were out at one o'clock at night. 12, 12, and if somebody's underage and out doing the wrong thing, right. they didn't just get picked up. We had our people trained to take them home oh, and knock on the door and say, Mama and Dad, we have your daughter. <laughs> and this is what was going on. Did you know where she was tonight? So that's how this right. came to be. So. And then if we got a good answer, uh, uh, we, we settled it right then. If we didn't get a good answer, we would cite meaning give them a notice to appear in court. Right. We'd have them come down. And you know what we did then? We charged some people with contributing to the delinquency of a minor. And now we get kids picked up at 15 for killing somebody and the parents don't even go to court. Right, yeah, it's a little bit. So that's how the big the difference is. Yeah, it's definitely a difference now. Well, I, I, again, reading through the book, I don't know where you kept all of the citations and awards 
and things, but it, they're in the hundreds. Of yes, they are. Uh, and they're on foot, bookshelves and boxes. <laughs> Some, many of them I photographed them and stood plaques away sure. because two stories, yeah, but I, I didn't display them. Oh, but there's some important to me uh, uh, that I still have. Yeah. Don't, no, nobody, no, nobody's going to do anything with them. That was, that was personal at that point for me. Yeah. If we could use them as a, a demonstration of the importance of leadership, mm-hmm. we did. Right. But now, the importance of leadership, there are not many people talking to organizations or groups of people or, or convention. And certainly, if you look at your high schools and colleges and academia, leadership is seldom talked about. Yeah, in the right way. And time, how do you use your education? Yeah. To, to what end? To what? How you going? Is this a part of the the future? Mm-hmm. Other than you know, uh, um, the academic world is so important. If you can use that to further mankind. Well, speaking of awards, I know that Elvis won a lot of awards, but yeah. he mentioned in in several different places that the Outstanding Man of the Young Man of the Year Award that he won in 1971 was he showed up for that. He didn't usually normally do these, and so I think that was one of his most important ones. What is your most important award that you got? Well, that, that was one of them. Okay, because I would tell you, Elvis would not. He's been used so much. Sure. And so I talked to Elvis about this award on behalf of the Memphis JCs, and I said, explain to him what it was all about. And he finally decided to accept, not only to accept the award, but to host the other honorees at his home in Memphis. He was nervous as a cat, but it was so real for him. We had a wonderful time, and he had a special watch made up uh, with his name on the vessel to present to the people who participated, and the JC organization uh, raised the money and did all of this, and to, until his that award he received, until his dying day was with him, yeah. wherever he went, yeah. and and he it was non-monetary, sure. but to him it was one of the greatest honors because it was about his personal accomplishments, yeah. his personal quality of life, or what he was all about. And nobody in the JCs used that to profit. Yeah, right. So that's what made it more difficult. And that, by the way, that was the only one he accepted. Yeah, I was going to say, it was the only one he, he wanted that one, and there was a reason for yeah. that because of, of what it meant. And he also loved my badge I gave yeah. him. <laughs> he loved those too. So what is your, what's the award that you're most proud of? I think the first one ever was when I was named the JC of the Year yeah. in yeah. Memphis. And then I got the award, JC of the Year of Tennessee, and then I got the Outstanding Young Man in Tennessee. Uh, those, those were, then the second part of the series of Outstanding Awards, when I received the uh, uh, Scouting Awards, all my Scouting Awards, right. I, I used all the way up the ladder, yeah. the Silver Antelope, Silver Beaver, and all of those awards, because I traveled all over the country uh, selling the idea that if you're a parent and you future join scouting unit with your son, I'll guarantee you that's the best insurance policy you'll ever have today and never be a problem for you. Yeah, I read that. Yes, that's absolutely true. Uh, again, civic clubs and things are not what they used to be. No. That's a, that's a 
a missing part of today's society for sure. Well, I've, I've enjoyed this. Thank you very much for being on the, the podcast. Is there anything you'd like to leave our listeners with? Any? No, other than the fact that, you know, that they, I've lived a life that has been so blessed. But in comparison, a lot of other people in terms of, of economics and whatever, it pales. But I don't know of a thing I would change in my life. I had the opportunity my wife was uh, Jay said and at, at 61 she had a stroke in this house where we are tonight yes uh, and that's uh, I was six, ready to retire basically but she had this stroke and totally incapacitated and I had the privilege of being able to spend 19 years caring for her and, and I saw that as the most redeeming opportunity that anybody could ever have is to have that kind of love and care and uh, and that to me is if I were to say what was your greatest success it was that I was able to help sustain with God's help her life and let her die peacefully. I I think that speaks an awful lot as to to who you are and again I appreciate you being on the show thank you very much. Thank you Mark. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Bill Morris as much as I did. The Memphis Treasures team appreciates his willingness to speak with us and his generous hospitality. If you haven't already subscribed to Memphis Treasures where you get your podcast, please do so. Like us on Facebook and visit our website at memphistreasures.org for more stories, blog posts, and future episodes. <laughs>